Okay, guys, so Johnny Nuggets is here with you. Bad news, guys. My my microphone somehow I have I have no idea what happened to it, uh, but it's not working right now. But so I've been uh, I was gonna basically not do some episodes because the microphone definitely helps um, audio wise, but the show must go on. The show must go on. October. It's already October. It's it's insane. Like fall is here. It's been it's been so nice. It's been so nice out and football. Of course, it's uh, it's amazing. But wow, it's been a while since I've done this. Um, yeah, it's it has been a whirlwind for me. First off, let me give a shout out to my commanders. Taylor Heineke, man, like he embodies the heart and soul of DC. Like I knew he was better than Carson Wentz. If you know me, if you know anything about me, you know I am not a Carson Wentz supporter. You know I am all about Taylor Heineke. You know I'm all about just that underdog mentality, the the ability to, you know, he makes mistakes. He's he's not the best quarterback in the league. He doesn't have the biggest arm. He doesn't he's not the most accurate, but you know what he does have? He has character. He can go from the first read to all the way down to the fifth read and and most NFL quarterbacks can't do that. Just imagine what he would be like if he had a cannon for an arm. But neither here nor there. Three straight wins for the Commanders. Now we welcome back the prodigal son. One of the most fake people that that I know. Kirk Cousins. And I know we don't talk a lot about sports on this podcast, but... Taylor Heineke, he loved his dad. He loved his dad a lot. And... They they had a they just had a love for football. And with me and my parents, it is I'm not gonna, you know, beat around the bush and say we've had the most amazing relationship ever, because we haven't. When when I was in elementary school I was homeschooled. But it wasn't it wasn't a great mix. It was too much family, I think, for me. Some people can handle homeschool, all for homeschool. If you're good at it, if if you if you like it, then go for it. But for me, it it messed up my relationship with my parents. The biggest thing with my parents was they were strict. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you; they were very strict when it came to a lot of things. Uh, but they, they weren't, if, if you would have met, if you met them, you wouldn't think they were strict. They have this undercover strictness, I guess. You would think they're just normal parents. If you met my father, trust me, you wouldn't even, I mean, it doesn't sound good, but you wouldn't think he's a pastor. He's just a normal dude. He's a, he's a cool dude. And my mother, she's awesome, quieter, but awesome 
and I don't really talk about my parents much because, you know, I don't, I like to keep, you know, private life private. But in order to understand me and understand where I come from, you will definitely need to know my, you know, my relationship with my parents. And if you guys have struggled with your relationship with your parents, then I'm right there with you. It's it's wild because in life it feels like the more, the less time I'm near them, the more like our bond grows, if you will. I've always told I've always told everyone that my parents inspired me to greatness. They never they never spoiled me. They never, you know, gave me everything on a golden platter. That that, that wasn't their style. It was all about making me responsible, making me a person that could be counted on in the workplace and relationships and anything really. And that's really helped me. But at the same time, being a pastor's kid, it's it's not it it is what it's hyped up to be. You know, you you don't have a lot of freedoms. You so when you do get freedoms, you do abuse them a little bit. And for me, I used to be a social media star. I used to do some wild stuff, like I like wild stuff. If you know me, you knew that I jumped out of windows in high school. I recorded my principals yelling at me in their office. <laughs> I you know I told. Uh, anyone and everyone that you know, I was I was going to be like the next Kevin Hart or something like that. But I was the way I was. I was just disrespectful. I was like kind of like a class clown, if you will. I always wanted the everyone's attention. Uh, my motto was any attention is good attention, <laughs> and that that didn't always serve me well and disappointed my parents. And looking back, if I would have you know put more focus on school or like training for sports or something like that. I, you know, who knows where my life would be right now. Not to say that I don't like my life because I really do appreciate my life and I I like my life. But, you know, it's just something that I do think about. So, but anyway, back to my parents. My parents are great. Uh, like my dad's a pastor. I've already said that. My mom, she's quieter and she works at a, a local library. Uh, I love them. I love them with you know all of all of my heart. And it's taken me a while to realize that they've always wanted what's best for me. Not always what I want. Not always what will make me feel happy. But what I need. And what will help me be successful long after their death, which sounds kind of dark, but looking back used to when they were very strict with me or when they taught me responsibility with money or anything else, I kind of thought it was just them trying to, you know, put a lot of handcuffs on me, if you will. But it was just to show me like how life is, how life works, how saving and how being frugal and how being responsible in life and doing your responsibilities, it all pays off. And I wouldn't be where I am in, in the work workforce without them instilling that in me at an early age. I truly believe that. And if I, if I do become a, if I do get elected into politics, I'll have them to thank for it. And hopefully I'll make them proud being voted into politics, I guess. I, I don't, it's wild. I don't know. I've, I've not done a podcast in a while. I feel like I'm 
losing my curveball, if you will, if I if I did have a curveball at, at all. But I have a lot of pressure on me. My parents told me that they they really didn't pressure me into you know having a really good job or or whatever. But for me, that's what I want. That's what I, I want them to be proud of me. I want them to be able to rely on me, and it's just a lot of pressure. You know, I never thought I would be where I'm at today, but I do love my job. Whether it's at company X, company Y, I know what I'm good at, and I do it at a really high level. You know, I lost a lot of friends because of my job. I lost a lot of people in general because I sacrificed short-term happiness for long-term goals. And I know there's people listening right now that at our age, we just want to have fun. We want to do whatever is, you know, fun to do, whatever makes us happy. But that's fleeting. If you wake up one day and you're 30 years old and you're still partying every day and you have nothing saved in the bank account, then who are you really? And some people find that out early and some people find that out late. My, my parents always taught me there's a time and place for fun and a time and place to work. And I've always had that motto, work hard, play hard. So when I do accomplish things, I do accomplish amazing things, I do get let loose a little bit. I do enjoy the fruits of my labor. But at the same time, I'm not going to indulge. So with that being said, my parents, we had a lot of bickering at an early age. I already told you about a little bit of my, about like struggling with weight. And that was a big thing. Like if I didn't get as much as my older brother who's five years older, I would throw a fit. And I didn't know that they were trying to help me not be obese. (laughs) But my parents, I, we, we had epic fights. You know, my dad would get mad at me because he would just get mad at me because I would be disrespectful. Or I, if, if he said the sky was blue, I would say, well, no, it's technically white. It's just basically with the atmosphere and the chemicals that it makes it look blue. It was, it was that type of thing. We always bickered about literally everything. And Looking back nowadays, I knew that, you know, that's not good because <laughs> your parents in, in life, your parents are the only ones that are going to really give a F about you. They're the ones that aren't going to basically screw you over. They're the ones that you can call whenever and they'll listen. They're the people that will give you the wisdom as long as you want it. And for people who don't have like parents or their their mom or dad is divorced or whatever, I do feel for you. I was blessed with, you know, having a mother and a father, for better or worse. <laughs> but I was taught at an early age what a what a marriage, what a relationship should look like. They did fight a little bit, they fought with each other some, but it was never it was never 
on the brink of uh, divorce or whatever. They taught me, my dad taught me how to respect women. And my mother taught me the qualities of the type of woman that I should have in my life. Because she set an example of it. And that, it all sounds a little bit like, I don't know what it's called. Not really, I don't know. It, it kind of sounds a little bit, like, what's it called? Like, a little bit forced that they were like that a little bit. But it was it was better than them, you know, always arguing. And the times that they did argue were far and, and few. And I did remember those. But they the way that they, they respected each other was something that I, I learned at an early age, like, how to, you know, argue appropriately. I never did it, but I knew what to do. But my my parents were always disappointed in me because in, in high school and middle school, I was kind of a class clown. I've already told you a little bit about that, but there was a time where I went into secondary school at a place called Antietam. <laughs> and it wasn't it, like, it was like, yeah. So when people think of secondary school, they think, oh, you must be a really bad kid. You must have been like putting drugs in school or you must have been, you know, threatening people or fighting people or all that. No, I I was the only person from my high school that went there because of the amount of so many petty, small little referrals I would get pretty much every day. And even my administrator basically said, well, I think it was my guidance counselor, <laughs> Uh, basically they would, they would make threats to me. They'd be like, Hey, stop, you know, dancing in class or stop, uh, defying the teacher or like, stop just like, there was one time I ran around with a freaking, what's, what was it called? Like a pool noodle. <laughs> and I was like dancing with it. My, it was for like a science experiment or something. My, my, my teacher's like, stop that. And I just get up on the, on, on her desk and start like dancing with it. And, you know, I got a referral for that. And my parents, every, like my mom, literally, she, she never saved my high school's number in her phone, to, in her, like the contacts, but she knew, she knew the last, she knew the whole number probably. She always said she knew the last numbers, but she probably knew the whole number because I was getting called, she was getting called daily for Johnny did this, Johnny did that. Johnny ran out of class without telling anyone. Johnny just ran out of class and caused a disturbance. I had so many little referrals that after, I don't know, I probably had like 70 of them within like the first half year for just super small stuff like that. And my guidance counselor was basically said, if I don't stop, you're going to go to secondary school. And my dad was like, my dad was like, hey, let's, let's just put him in secondary school now. And my guidance counselor looked at, looked at him like shocked, like, like what? <laughs> and I was like, I was looking like, wait, what? And they, I, my dad pulled a power move and basically threw me in the secondary school. And I remember when I first went there, I was scared. I was mad scared. I literally thought secondary school, like this is, this is where the worst people are. This is where like people with like weapons from school go to all this stuff. And that is true a little bit. Uh, we even, even in the get into school, we had a metal detector we had to go through. And I, I was freaking scared the first day. 
But then the way all the kids were with one another, it was like, wow, like everyone just was like, everyone treated each other like family. Like we like, like it was wild. Like we had like behavior charts every day. And I would always get like 100% of my behavior chart because hey, I wasn't like throwing stuff at teachers or I wasn't like hiding under desks. Well, I probably have done that before, but like they, the people at the secondary school, some of them were just wild, but they were never wild towards each other, toward us peers. They would just be wild to like authority. And that secondary school really taught me a lot about respect. And I remember the first day I was there, I had three out of my seven teachers be like, hey, why are you here? You don't look like an Antietam kid. You weren't causing a disturbance in our class. You weren't cursing. You aren't. And I was like, yeah, I, was, I said, yeah, my dad's a pastor. <laughs> and he basically threw me into secondary school because I did a lot of like little stuff. I'd be late to class. I would run out of class. I would dance in class. <laughs> They were just like, what, what? Long story short, I was there, I think, about a month. Because I had to be there a minimum of a month. And I was the, I was the fastest person from my, my high school at North, North Hagerstown to ever come back from Antietam. I was the fastest person because I wasn't a bad kid. Well, I mean, I was, but not to that level. And my parents taught me that that was one of their their warnings for me. Like, hey, where I didn't see it at the time. I held a grudge for my dad a little bit. I even, you know, told them, hey, Antietam's great, which it kind of was. It was pretty fun. We would have like half days on Friday where we would go to like a park and have a picnic. And, like, they really focused more on, like, building character out of us, which was pretty cool. But I knew I didn't belong there. I was in, I was literally in honors classes, like, all of high school. And I was, like, thrown into, like, these basic classes. I was getting, like, A's on everything. And luckily it all transferred back when I went to North, went to North, North Hagerstown again. So <laughs> my, my, like, my grades were, like, at 100%. And I was there for like a month. So I basically got an easy A for the semesters for the classes just because I was kind of gaming the system <laughs> because they didn't have any honors classes at Antietam. Like everyone did the same thing. And when you transfer back, the grade sticks. But I remember I remember being kind of upset with my dad and I would always feel, I would always try to throw it in his face, be like, hey, Antietam's great. Like, I love it. Like you... You, you know, you, you, you try to bring me down, but you couldn't. Which that's how I kind of am with my enemies. Like, I, when they try to take me down, take me out, I'm resilient. And I always find happiness in everything. I try to, at least. Now, a couple months ago, and I was super depressed. It was very hard, but I... I always told myself, hey, better days are ahead. Better days are ahead, Johnny. You will get through this. You will rise again. And then like four years ago, I had massive depression too. And I got through it. And then like seven years ago, when I moved from Virginia Beach to Manassas, Virginia, Woodbridge area, I was depressed because I was leaving all my friends. 
So that was when I started going to private school instead of being homeschooled. And I, I was going to lose all my friends. And I was depressed then too. And it's, it's wild because even in the darkness, I, I, for some reason, I always tell myself better days are ahead. And for anyone going through anything right now, for anyone who is going through the struggles of life, who's going through a dark alley, going just they people that feel like they they have nothing left to offer in in this world because i felt like that or people who think they will never be loved i felt like that to people that think my life i'm gonna have a dead-end job for the rest of my life i'm gonna be working part-time jobs and barely making enough to get by i've been there to people that think, hey, I'm never, I'm not going to look as good as this person or that person. I've been there. If you knew me in high school, you knew I struggled with acne. I had terrible acne. Absolutely terrible acne. Junior year, a little bit of senior year. It was bad. And it limited me in, into the type of girls I, I've tried to get with. It limited me with just... I felt people judge me. And I was skinny fat back then. I was eating the wrong foods, eating too much of the wrong foods, thinking they were healthy. And I was this skinny fat kid that I look nothing like that person now, thankfully. But trust me, if you make your if you put your mind to something, there's nothing in this world you can't do. And for anyone who thinks that they can't. I've been there. I, I've told you guys examples of my weight. I didn't think I would ever be able to look as good as, you know, this person or that person. Now I feel like I'm finally comfortable in my own skin. Or to the people, I, I worked dead-end jobs when I was in college. And I felt like, hey, I might never get out of this. I. Uh, I felt like I was a below average worker and I probably was. And I was like, how, what am I going to do that I'm going to be good at? And I, I found an opportunity even when I didn't like that opportunity at that, at that one job that almost tried to sue me. I, I owe them a lot because they trained me. They, they helped me succeed. It was the only thing they really did. They helped me become a salesperson and to cult, culture or cultivate my ability to speak to people, my ability to talk to people, my ability to relate to people. So yes, there I I used to feel like a complete, complete loser. And I know a lot of people probably still think I am, but I'm working hard to gain the life that I want. And it's all because of my parents. Me and my dad had scraps. Let's let's not try to fudge the truth. We we did not see eye to eye in a lot of things. I you know, I, I feel like my parents thought I might have been homosexual <laughs> because I was so into sports, I was so into the NFL, I was so into college football, college basketball. I never told them about girls. 
because they were super strict and I knew they would be like, oh, girls are bad, all that type of stuff. And I literally never talked to them about my love life, like ever. Like I started liking girls probably around like sixth grade, maybe fifth grade, probably fifth, fifth, fourth, third, probably late fourth. But I was never going to tell my parents about that because my dad's, my dad's a pastor. <laughs> so, so there, I, I didn't want to open that can of worms. But I would always talk about like Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow back in the day, RG3 back in the day, uh, Rex Grossman back in the day, represent Rex, sexy Rexy baby. <laughs> I, I had Kobe Bryant, you know, uh, Lamar Odom, Pal Gasol, Derek Fisher. I, I love these guys. Luke Walton. <laughs> that man was a beast. Gilbert Arenas. So I never told my parents like about my my love life. I never told them the reason I wanted to go to the different high school in Northern Virginia in the Woodbridge area. It was because mostly because of this one girl, but also because there were a couple other hotties that were going there. Uh, like the one I told you guys on the track team who who was gorgeous, gorgeous. She's like, like, I think Caribbean maybe, or I don't know what she is, but in, what was it, seven? No, she liked, I swear she liked me in eighth grade. Swear. Because I was in this English class, long story short, this dude named Mr. Harkins was my teacher, big guy big guy like I'm not talking like Jack I'm talking like obese like blubber everywhere but anyway she would always stare at me for like the first semester like every every time like I would like look up she would be like staring at me and I would I always thought about making a move with her but there's this other girl in that class that used to like me like liked me a lot and like like I'm swear like she was in like uh in sixth grade or was it sixth grade it was seventh grade yeah, because it was eighth grade where, yeah, so seventh grade, we used to have like Facebook. I used to have a Facebook. That's how old I sound. But I used to have Facebook and we would like message each other. And she, she definitely was not, let me just say, she was not a girl that I would bring home to my parents. <laughs> she was a little freak. <laughs> and she, she liked me a lot. And let's just say, um, she she was very she wanted to show a lot of affection to me let's just say that but anyway so that she was in there and, and we we you know talked and did a little, little some stuff in seventh grade but she was in my eighth grade class with this one girl this track superstar super hot girl that always be staring at me i don't know why because i mean i didn't look bad but i didn't look like good but she would this the but I I mess up with so many girls it's it's wild but anyway I was too scared to you know make a move on this one girl her name started with a T I um did basically I didn't want to make a move on her because this other girl who I was talking to a little bit in seventh grade did a little bit of stuff with in seventh grade like she she literally sat with her and like they talked. And I didn't want to be the kind of disrespectful, but at the same time, I always look back at that and be like, dang, like I could have had that girl. Like she was gorgeous. Like she was like a dark skin, but she wasn't like dark, dark, 
But like she was like she was like this like darker caramel like complexion. I was like it was just it was like like it was like chef's kiss. Like she looks so so good, and she looks like even better now. And I don't even know how that's possible. But why am I talking about this? How did I get on this? Oh yeah, because my parents thought I was a homosexual. <laughs> yeah, and so I would never tell them about these this type of thing. You know, there's other girl in eighth grade, because in eighth eighth grade was, I missed a lot of opportunities in eighth grade. I had a lot of girls that liked me. I don't know why. Maybe it was because I was funny. Maybe I was kind of unintimidating. I was on the basketball team. I was a basketball. I was a basketball star. I was the. I literally had muscles in eighth grade a little bit, and I like almost no one else did. So I I thought that I had that working with me. And I had this other girl who's a cheerleader. That if you know, if you already remember the story, of my first love. That first love decided to become a cheerleader in eighth grade, or maybe she was seventh grade. I know she was a cheerleader in eighth grade for sure. I don't think she was on. No, I don't think she cheered in seventh grade. But yeah, the love of my life. Yeah, she start, started cheering in eighth grade. But this other girl. That was also on the track team and did really good at track and I think did some in college as well. She, she this other gorgeous girl, like gorgeous. I'm not, I'm talking like like I I had so many thoughts about her that we could have been something. But anyway, <laughs> um, gorgeous girl. But anyway, there are a lot of cheerleaders that. I wanted to try to get with, but I was so shy. I was so shy back then, man. Like, not with not with everyone, just with girls that I thought were attractive, because I didn't want to be, you know, disappointed, let down, embarrassed, be, being the butt of the jokes in the cafeteria or anything like that. Hey, do you hear Johnny? He got rejected by this person or that person. I never wanted that, but I look back at that and regret, you know, not shooting my shot. Because I had some gorgeous girls that liked me in eighth grade. And I still know them a little bit through social media. And trust me, they they still look every bit as good, if not better. So that's pretty cool. But anyway, so my parents thought I was like probably a raging homosexual. Uh, but that wasn't me. I liked, I like girls. <laughs> I get a lot of people that say you're really into fashion, or are you sure you're not like curious? And I'm like, no, like just because I like fashion, just because my voice is, you know, a little bit higher than what you want, or I if I see a, if a guy if I see a guy that's hot, like I'll you know I'll, I'll admit that. Like, oh, the dude's hot. Like, I wish I was him. Like, <laughs> like, but like, I'm not like, oh, let me like, uh, let me take, let me rip your shirt off. Like, I'm not like that. But like, if I see an attractive person, I'll give them props because genetics or you worked at it, whatever. But yeah, in high, uh, in high school, I remember ninth grade, I was still pretty popular. I was on the basketball team. I was a superstar. Well, I wasn't a superstar, but I was. A lot of people knew me from sports in freshman year. Just went to 
the school is called Forest Park High School. It was literally like five minutes down the street, maybe like three minutes down the street from our rival high school, Hilton, which I was about going to go to because of these girls or whatever. But I stayed, I stayed loyal. I stayed true to my district, Forest Park High School. A lot of white girls at, at my high school. Uh, basically, at Hilton, there was more Spanish and African-American. And at our school, it was more like the majority of the demographic was more Caucasian, Asian, a little bit, little bit of Spanish, and some mixed. But it was majority more white, more white people. Um, but I always want to go to that other school because the girls there were gorgeous, gorgeous. And I like, I like any type of girl. Like, I'm not like, you know, prejudiced, prejudiced, like I don't have a type, but if I did have a type, it would be more like darker complexion. I don't know why. It's just, I don't know. It's just the way I am, I guess. I, I don't know. It's just. It's more, it catches my eye more, I guess. Because, like, who doesn't want to have, like, cute mixed babies? Like, anyway. Neither here nor there. Whatever floats your boat. 2022. But anyway. So I never told my parents any of these stories. I never told them about... Oh, there's this other girl. Now, this girl, I kind of regret a little bit. She adored me in freshman year of high school, adored me. And she didn't look, she didn't look like the most amazing, but she had a, like her body was like amazing. And I'll admit that, you know, my personality was a 10 and my, you know, my my face wasn't too bad at, at freshman or sophomore year. But in like the uh, junior, senior year, I had a ton of acne. So I'm not afraid to admit I looked really bad. I had a terrible acne. But this girl, she had, she had some really bad acne on her face. And I think I was, I was more into, you know, I want to, uh, you know, be with a girl. And I don't want just some like fling, if you will, or whatever. That was me a freshman year. I'm like, looking back, I'm like, what, Johnny, like, what? Like, you missed out on so many opportunities because you were always looking for the girl who you're going to marry. Like, no, just get with girls and, like, you know, like, get to know different people, different, different walks of life, different ethnicities, different religions, all that type of stuff. But I don't know, that was the, basically her face was, I had a lot of acne on it and she but she adored me and her her body like let me tell you her body was d1 like but another another opportunity where i just i just missed i just didn't do anything it wasn't that i she we both like she i she like she always was staring at me and she would always be, and her friends would tell me, like, yo, this girl likes you. Like, why don't you like her? Like, yes, her face is a little bit. Like, her friends would say, and I quote, her her friends would say, yeah, she kind of has a butter face. But do you see her body? Like, 
And for me, I was just, uh, I wasn't like, I, I, honestly, I was still kind of in the, the girl who was my first love. I always thought I would get back with her. Never happened. So, anyway, I was, that girl, I, I took me years to get over. It took me from, I met her in seventh grade. I guess I got over her probably junior, junior year of high school when I was like halfway through Hager's now. <laughs> like, it was wild, man, but I don't know. Hagerstown was a little, a different beast. I, when I moved to Hagerstown, it was, I didn't have a passion for sports anymore. All my friends, I'd been on two, I've been at two, three different schools on sports teams. And once I moved the last time that I love bonding with my team, I love being, I was always team captains. I was always the leader. I was always their voice, but after I moved the third time, different school, like within four years, like third different school in four years, it was like my passion for it, I guess, died. Hagerstown, Hagerstown was wild, man. Junior year, I was a weird kid, man. Like, I was a weird little guy. <laughs> I would just run out of classes. I would do some wild stuff. And I I basically blew any I was I was kinda like that in in middle school and high school, but it was I took it up a notch. No, I took it up like five notches at Hagerstown. And that basically that basically did like I don't like that basically ruined any chances I had with any of the girls in Hagerstown because they they didn't like that. <laughs> Which is weird because they did in Manassas, Virginia. And that's more of like a big city. Like that is a big city. So I guess small towns, they, they don't like the type of stuff, I guess. But I didn't really have a lot of girls in, in Hagerstown. I had a lot of girls that had fleeting interest in me for a little bit and like we would like we'd be talking or whatever but it wouldn't you know become anything and I never told my parents this and I'm gonna guess that they they probably thought I was a homosexual till a couple like two years ago when probably like last year honestly but that's neither here nor there, but they did support me. They loved me. I don't really have any good stories in high school, really. I had a couple crushes in high school that were at Hagerstown, but I had no chance with any of them. Like, there was this one girl who, long story short, she was this dark-skinned girl. She was, I think, a year older than me. Like, dark-skinned, like... Uh, I thought she was the most gorgeous thing. And people would always be like, people would be cruel with this girl. Like, like her body was amazing. Like, amazing. But like, they would be like, oh, her face looks like a, like a horse. I'm like, yo, like, her face doesn't look bad at all. Like, what are you talking about? But I had no chance with her. She was, <laughs> heck, she was taller than me by like three inches. Like, I knew I had no shot with her. There's another girl who was in my grade, I believe, but graduated early. This little light-skinned girl. 
gorgeous. Gorgeous. And I had the biggest crush on. She was probably like, like I'm 5'8". She was probably like 5'. She was short. She was probably like 4'10", maybe. But she was best friends with this other girl, this like dark skinned girl who was older than me. So there's really like, if I try to get with you, then I can't get with you. And if I get with you, then I can't really get with you. So that was, that was impossible. That was impossible. There weren't, let's see. No, there's this, there's these other light skins that were a couple years younger than me. They were pretty cute too, but they didn't like me either. I was a weird kid. Small, small towns, I guess, don't like class clowns. Or if they do, they don't like ones with a ton of acne on their face like I did. But neither here nor there. But to wrap it up, my parents supported me. My dad supported me. My mom supported me. They never gave me everything that I wanted, everything I liked, everything that, you know, it was never always 72 and sunny out, but they did do, they tried to instill things into my life that would help me in the long run, which I am grateful for. To wrap it up, I just want to tell you guys that my my parents, we had a lot of times where we did not see eye to eye. I went to counselors because of it. Uh, that, that'll be an episode all to itself, but I went to multiple counselors because of my relationship with my parents and my relationship with others. And it was all out of love. And I never realized that until now. They were just trying to help me stay out of jail be able to function in the workplace, <laughs> be able to communicate with people better. But I'll get into that. That's another episode. My whole counseling, my counselors. Wild. That that is that that is pretty that that was <laughs> that wasn't the best, but I'll have to explain it because I think you guys will really enjoy <laughs> my counselor sessions. <laughs> Some people think I'm weird now. Like, trust me, when I tell you about those counselor sessions, oh my, like, anyway. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I believe I will have one more episode for this season. And then we will start this up again in January of 2023. Time flies. I've been with you guys since August. Wild, wild. So I think we'll have two, like another episode after this one. And that'll be the finale. So buckle up, get ready. I will be back with you, hopefully with a working microphone next week. Because I have a lot of problems when I don't have a microphone. A lot of problems. It's hard to upload at a certain way and do like cut up stuff and dim audio from other stuff it's a whole lot of work so i hope i get my microphone back it's in the process of being fixed whatever that means i i think i was responsible for breaking it um i was kind of mad long story short it's after a commander's loss 
Carson Wentz just really grinded my gears. And I think the microphone might have been my fault why it's not working. But it should be fixed, hopefully. Hopefully it will be fixed. Anyway, thank you for listening. Subscribe, share, like the podcast. Because it really does help me out, keep motivated. And hopefully I'll have the motivation to do a second season. If not, then for the my loyal listeners who probably are disappointed weekly because of how my podcast isn't great, that you guys will finally get your freedom, I guess. Even though you guys are awesome. You guys are amazing. I rep you guys. With all that being said, have a safe week, and I'll see you on the other side.